Well, we're back this time. I'm really excited because we've got a fellow buyer's agent, which is really cool because a lot of the times we're sticking to the real estate selling side. So today we're blessed to be up in Brisbane in the Cohen Handler office with the Navy Box Boys. We've got Jordan, James will be joining us as well, who are super successful as buyer's agents here in Brisbane and have built a phenomenal business with not only in their own team, but they've also got a start, like a pool that work with them in the office. So they've done phenomenally well. So it'll be really good to learn the ins and the outs of how to build a successful buyer's agency, but then also maybe some tricks of the trade that us, well, them as buyer's agency that could help selling agents as well. So yeah, I think it- phenomenal business, FYI. I just had a chat uh, with the boys off camera and I'm not gonna say the numbers on, on, on screen and on record, but these boys are these boys are serious like these are nuts numbers you can't tell obviously um from a from the outside looking in what buyers agents and what they what they do numbers wise but i'm telling you guys right now these guys are the real fucking deal i'm keen let's do this <laughs> all right kick it kick it bro um mate I, I think a good place where i'd like to start is a bit of an idea about like you yourself and what your journey's been like in real estate so far because I, i'll be honest with you i don't know a lot a hell of a lot about the business and what you guys do so let's kick it right back from the start yeah mate um it's like super by chance like super lucky that i'm in in real estate if i'm honest sorry to interrupt just for those that don't know you're related to will and jen carr back in sydney <laughs> uh, don't know why i just had to introduce that yeah, That's definitely. It. Sorry, go. Um, and I, I've got to give some credit to them for me being in real estate because I studied architecture at uni in Canberra, um, would have been sort of you know, 10, 12 years ago now. And coming away from that, I wanted to do, you know, some other studies back in Sydney. And I thought I better get some money so I can um, see pay, for, pay for uni, pay for going out, etc. right? Living with mum and dad and I was like, okay, so where am I going to work? And yeah, because... My uncle Pat, Jenny, Will worked in real estate. I just bounced some ideas off them. And um, and so I thought, yeah, okay, cool. I might do some real estate. So I wanted to work in the inner city, went for a couple of interviews. This one guy said to me in the interview, he goes, do you want to have a scotch? It's like 2 p.m. in the afternoon in Mossman. I'm like, yeah, I could do a scotch. I'm like 19, 20. Like, yeah, this is pretty cool. So like from then on, I was like, oh, I don't really care about any of the other jobs that I've interviewed in. I just want this job. <laughs> wow. But it was a really... Um, awkward situation because he said to me he goes um, so you know what a buyer's agent is I was like I don't know fucking idea what a buyer's agent is but I didn't say that and I was just sitting there like shit what am I going to say to this guy and thank god he ended up proceeding to tell me what a buyer's agent was he, he answered his own questions so like wow. oh phew yeah 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 exactly yeah. the totally exactly what a buyer's agent is yeah I knew that um, so yeah so that was pretty cool how, how old were we at this stage um, 20 or 21 20 21 cool yeah um and so like I was hounding him every day, every two days for this job. And he was putting me off two weeks, three weeks. They didn't hire anyone, but it was like always another stage in the process. It was like, okay, now can you pretend that you're a buyer's agent and can you show me what properties you would buy for these three clients if they were your client? Ooh. So like he put me like super, like really put me to the test. I spoke with multiple people in the office. In the meantime, I had like three or four other jobs offered to me in other offices, but they were real estate sales jobs. Mm. And it wasn't that I didn't want to be in sales. It was just for some reason I was so hooked on this business that I wanted to work for. Um, and so, yeah, I fortunately got that job and that was my first entry into real estate and into buyer's agency. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, I learned so much from that. How, how long did you stay as like an associate buyer's agent before you stepped out as your own? 
So I was with them for, I think, two and a half to three years. And it was at that point when I was at a crossroads, so going and being my own buyer's agent, um, looking at different career progression options within that company. But they bought a lot of properties in Brisbane, the Gold Coast, for their investors. Mm. So, yeah, they did primary res, but they're a really big investment firm. And so we would go around Australia doing um, like conferences. Wow. Yeah, my boss at the time wrote books. Um, and so that was, that was really cool. And so we, we learned a lot about investing and that's what brought me to Gold Coast and Brisbane. I still lived in Sydney and our office was in Sydney, but we'd be flying up every fortnight looking at houses, inspecting houses and, um, and finding the good deals for our clients. So that's what taught me about the Brisbane market. And when I was up here, you'd call the agents and they'd like hang up on you the minute you say, hey, I'm Jordan, I'm a buyer's agent. Really? Really? Yeah. And I, it took me a while to get to work. No, it didn't take me a while, like a couple of days to work out why, but they'd say some of them who are nicer would just say, oh, how much do I have to give you if you buy this? And I'm like, nothing. I'm a buyer's agent. Oh, how does that work? I thought you conjunct with me. No, 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 there's no conjunction. We, wow. You know, I'm getting retained by the buyer. You keep all your fee. I'm just trying to find good properties for my clients. So even the agents had no idea? Up here, they had no idea. And there was a couple of buyer's agents, but there wasn't really that many, and they clearly went on the hustle, and the real estate agents didn't know who they were or what they did, certainly not in the inner city. Yeah. And so that was a really big eye-opener for me. Um, had no responsibilities, so I'm like, you know what? Brisbane could be really good for us. We'd bought an investment property up here in New Farm, and I'm like, you know what? Oh, Why nice. don't we come up and um, have a crack at the Brisbane market? So I had that conversation with my um, employees at the time, Mm. But I also then just cold called Simon Cohen. Um, I remember I was on the beach in, um, in the Gulf. It's not on the beach. I was just on the pathway walking past. And it was raining. And I just called him and I said, hey, um, um, he knew of me. I knew of him. But there was, um, there was no relationship there. I said, hey, it's Jordan Navy Box. Um, I'm looking at buyer's agency in Queensland. I know you don't have any presence up here. Would you consider starting a buyer's agent with me up here? A buyer's agency. With zero relationship. Zero relationship. Never met the guy. And it's the funniest thing. He ended up saying, it's 3 a.m. I just got to my hotel in Positano. Um, can, I, can I see you in, in a week? I'll text wow. you my business partner's number. Wow. That's yeah. where it all started. So that's where, that's where this sort of Queensland journey all started for me. So did, when you moved up to Brisbane, you started your business with no, no actual base in Brisbane prior. No, it was just like I'd been an associate buyer's agent in that other business for two and a half, three years. And I'd met a lot of real estate agents and I knew a lot of real estate agents mm. and they'd started referring, which is really foreign at yeah. the time. All of my business um, traditionally came from, you know, the investment inquiry, you mm. know, radio or online digital um, seminars, conferences, this type of stuff. And then of course, past referrals, but the real estate agent referring thing wasn't a thing back then. And so, in the time that I spent up here with that old firm, I did realize, oh no, they will refer mm. once you've educated them that you're here to help. Mm. If you're a buyer, buyer's agent, it's super confrontational. And obviously all of us can be confrontational, especially in negotiation phase. Mm. Um, but um, on the whole, if you work with the real estate agents, you know, they can be so beneficial to buyer's agents. And I think that's where some people miss it slightly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I learned that and so I was like, okay, well, we could make a really cool primary res development and investment buyers agency in Queensland and you know, I shared that story with Simon and Ben and, 
and that's where that's where we went from there. How long did it take you to have that um, breakaway moment where you've you've hit momentum? How long did that take after opening the business? I feel like it took me maybe two years to get to similar numbers that yeah. I was doing previously with the help of that machine that they did have of marketing and um, that big lead generation funnel that they had. Mm. It's probably like a two year run between 2016 and 2018 to get up to, back up to that level on my own back. Yeah, right. Um, which was like, you know, awesome journey because it was so much more organic. Mm. Yeah. And so how did you prospect and generate business when you did come up? Um, and what advice would you give to buyers agents now? It comes back to that real estate agent, agent piece. Like people say to me, they come in with me with all these fantastic marketing ideas and all these things, oh, I'm going to do this to lead general, I'm going to do that to lead general. I'm like, yeah, that's all great, do that. But I just ask everybody whether they work here or other people call me for advice, Think about who meets more real estate buyers than any other person. The agent. Agent, mm. right? Yeah, brokers will refer. Yeah, solicitors will refer. Yeah, the pest and building guy will refer. We got a pest and building guy. He he sends us off market properties every day because he's doing oh, the pre no he's doing the pre purchase <laughs> things. Wow. Yeah, he does the right thing though. He says, "Hey, pre purchase inspection. Here's the agent. They told me I could tell you about it." Bang. Wow, what so it's pretty cool. Yeah, so like, and obviously that's not a that's not a client lead. It's an off market lead, but still. Um, yeah. But yeah, in, in terms of client leads, there's no greater source than real estate agents. So if you work really closely with them and you can show the value to them, like classic example, I see so many real estate agents running around being a buyer's agent for mm. a buyer because they've got a property to sell in their area as soon as they buy. Mm. And buyers say it all the time, if you find me a house, I'll sell with you, mm. right? But they say that to every other real estate agent. Mm. They'll stay true to the word, no problem. But Most don't, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> Most don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, you should know that they're also out saying this to other agents and shopping around with other agents. And if they turn up to a McGraw auction on the weekend and buy it, that's the, the girl or the guy that's going to get that listing. Mm. So for us, it's like... Um, retain the relationship in-house we can help the buyer buy mm. we've then got a pre-existing relationship with you they're super stoked that you made the introduction to us they're mm. super stoked with the outcome that we've both provided stay along the journey with us you can you can still call them you can still call us and we can keep you abreast of the of, of how the journey's going for that buyer and you can be guaranteed that once we've bought that property for mm. them yeah. they're going to be selling that house with you are you um? Do you get more referrals from agents at particular price points? Because my average sale price is about one point nine. I don't have. I'll be honest. I'd, I've referred maybe like a handful of clients over the past couple of years to Beard I just don't get that many opportunities. I don't feel. Is it, is it more about coaching the agents about how to pop the question and ask for the referral, or is there a particular price point where naturally more more referrals come from? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good question. It's like, um, and I'll, I'll go back for you really quickly. It's mm. like when I started in Queensland, people were like, you're not in Sydney, mate. Mm. And when Simon started in Sydney, people go, you're not in America, mate. Mm. You know? And there's just this perception that the buyer has to be from interstate or, you know, or has to be super wealthy or has to be super time poor to use a buyer's agent. But the fact of the matter is in the current market, when we're such low stock environment, Everybody, not everybody, but nearly everybody needs a buyer's agent because they just can't find the house that they want. Mm. 
they can have all the other they could be time poor they could be super wealthy they could be mm. service abusers you know i'm a service abuser you know car wash mortgage broker financial planner you know what i mean like yeah. um and they outsource everything in their lives perfect um but it all comes down to if they could find the house themselves they would have bought it and if they can't they want and need help mm. so it's not price point related and therefore as agents you know if you guys are going to refer to mm. each other it's just the the dialogue okay i think more so than do, more you, than do you go else. into agencies and all your referral agents and coach them about how to refer you yeah how do you do that um so um like if you were to coach me yeah okay the first thing i would tell you to do is yeah. um don't profile them if i do a okay. negative don't try and find a person that you think might need a buyer's agent assume that everybody needs a buyer's agent Ooh, good point cool, cool listening <laughs> you're, yeah. like, you're like these i'm great business <laughs> um but no so um yeah if you assume that everybody needs a buyer's agent you know you can pop that question and i think it's like anything like um no matter what you sell it's just having the dialogue ready and if you've got the dialogue ready you'll be super confident to say it to anyone that that you come across and with, with the agents that refer to me a lot, I'm not trying to take things away from them. So if they think that buyer's hot on that property, I'm like, don't mention me, sell them the house, yeah. you know? But once you realize that seller's not keen on that house and you don't have anything else in your pipeline to show them, mm. you know, a really simple question can be, have you heard, you know, have you thought about using a buyer's agent? Just simple as so that. So simple. It's so easy, it's so open. Mm. It's really hard to then get shut down. Mm. It's like, can I, can I introduce you to Jordan Navy Box at Cohen Handler? They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But if you just say something super simple like, have you thought of using a buyer's agent? It's a really, um, it's not a scary question for you to ask and it's yeah. not a scary question for them to answer. Mm. And you're going to get, that's where you're going to get into the conversation because they're going to say to you things like, what's a buyer's agent? Mm. Fortunately, they don't ask that as much as they used to. Yeah. And, and we have the show to thank for that a lot, to be honest, is just awareness of what buyers agents do, mm. which is pretty cool. Um, but that is a question that you could get. Yeah. But it might be, oh, I thought about it. Um, do they help, do you think? Mm. And that's your window now to go hard. Or, yeah, I was actually um, thinking about using one. Do you know a good one? That's the best one. Mm. You know? I yeah. Love that response. But there's so many, and you'd probably have to chat with an agent to ask them, like, I put you in touch with some of our good referrers, but... Um, there are those pain questions that you can then ask them yep. to then make that intro super, super warm. Um, mate, in terms of daily routines, um, how do you structure your day? Ooh, your day, day question. Yeah, ripper question. Um, buyer's agency, and you might attest to this, is far more reactive than seller's agency. I mean, look, I, and I, every agent's probably like, you, you're an idiot. Because yeah. um, I understand that agency is also reactive. But because we don't have set open home times, mm. You know, um, we, we don't have, um, you know, the admin is somewhat less intensive. We don't have the marketing plans to prepare. We don't have photography booked in. You know, there's less of those um, appointments that can be booked a week in advance. It's mm. like if we, get a new, if we get a new referral or a new lead in, we're calling them like that day. If your client rings you and says, that property you sent me last night on WhatsApp, I fucking love it. When are we seeing that? You're seeing it that afternoon. You know, and I know in the agency world, there's stuff like that when a buyer inquiry comes through, you go and show them the property. Yeah. But buyer's agency is super reactive in that sense. So what I try to do is I try to have big gaps available 
each day for signing up clients and inspecting properties. So that overnight, because my WhatsApp runs wild overnight, because a lot of my clients are time poor and they're messaging me between eight and 11. So I'm up messaging them on WhatsApp at that hour and pretty much getting ready for tomorrow. Mm. Because that's the time where I'm finding the leads. Like if I, like yesterday, I was on the road with a client from Sydney between eight and six, right? Driving around, yeah, I had someone with me that was driving sometimes so I could, I could, I could respond to messages. But it's pretty rude when you've got a client in the back seat mm. doing a sign-up call. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just not possible. So, you know, I had four or five leads come through yesterday. Where am I going to call those? So I tried to turn through two or three last night. I did one this morning. I got another two after this. But it's hard to, um, to manage it otherwise. So I like to have blocks. Rather than having blocks of do this, it's like blocks of room for mm. reactive tasks. Yeah. It's a different world. Yeah, if, if you chunk your calendar up like I did yesterday, you leave yourself social. Um, it's sometimes impossible. You know, you've got a good client coming from interstate and they want to spend the day with you and they're not going to be here for another three weeks. You've got to show them as many properties as you can. Um, but yeah, they're the tough days. Are there particular price points where it's easier to negotiate with the owner slash agent? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly believe the mid the midpoint at the moment is an easier price range to negotiate. Um, and why is that, do you think? I think the sellers, are, they're more genuine and they're less attached to their price. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like clients say, why is, your, why is your fee a percentage? And there's a myriad of reasons that we can go through. But in the high price point, um, the real estate agents are more sophisticated. Mm. So the negotiation is harder because of that agent. Um, also, the sellers are far more sophisticated. Mm. Yeah, they're wealthier. They've got less need to sell at a cheaper price, mm. just because it pleases you. And so naturally, that is a harder price point to negotiate in. Mm. Um, the flip side, the five hundred to a mil price point at the moment is super, super hard to negotiate in. Why are there so many investors? Again, sophisticated negotiators who don't need to sell will sell at a price, but don't need to. Mm. Whereas in that mid-range price point, one mil to two point five mil Brisbane. These are, you know, a lot of sellers that are selling because they've just bought another house Hmm. and they do need to transact on that property to settle on the next one. And so that's always an easier negotiation. So just to summarize, you've come into Brisbane, Queensland market, minimal minimal database in terms of client coming on. You've built relationships with the core agents here to generate referral business. Are there any other tools or processes you follow to prospect before we move on um to be honest no um it's it it's the same process when it comes to the mortgage brokers like they're this they're the second most likely person um in australia in the world to Mm. come across a property buyer and they're also incentivized for that buyer to buy if a mortgage broker sends you a client and they buy, the mortgage broker gets paid because they write the loan. Mm-hmm. So that's a really another high value referral partner, mm. I think, of mortgage brokers. But between, um, and there's, again, I can go through the list. There's 20 to 50, I don't know, different referral types. Yeah. I just think the strongest are real estate mm. agents and brokers. So if someone's starting out, you know, and you've got a list of the people that could refer, Go and get the low-hanging fruit. Go and get the big juicy one straight away. And that's the agents and the brokers. 
Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And then as you grow and you're like, okay, I've tapped into that market and I'm like, fully saturated, I'm getting leads from everywhere, mm. then you can start <clears throat> tackling these other mm. these other referral partners as well. What's your why? Um, that's a really interesting question. Like, um, it's, for me, it's to strive to be better and not, to be corny and I love my family and you know and they love me but I just get a kick out of winning Mm. yeah yeah I get a kick when a lead comes in and I'm tired and it's 7 30 p.m and I'm still here I get a kick out of ringing them and go you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna sign this client up they're gonna buy wow you know and I get a kick out of when the negotiation's really tough of doing that deal yeah, the money's amazing. It's provided awesome things and it's, it's you know, helped me to diversify and that's great. But the real reason I hustle is not because of the money that will hit the account. It's because I can go, I just did a deal. That's awesome. Mm, yeah. So I played computer games. I played computer games a lot as a kid. Which one? LOL or WoW? WoW. Fuck yeah. yeah. And you'd log into WoW and you'd be like, um, I'm logging in today to get more gold. Yeah. What are you going to buy with gold? Like a fake sword that does nothing, <laughs> yeah. you know, to your real life? Yeah. And that's the same thing in real estate. It's like, I think... I'm going to log in. I'm going to get into the office today because I'm going to crush it. Mm. Yeah. And I'm going to sign up a client. And I'm going to buy for that client. And, you know, that's going to make me feel awesome. Mm. It's like a fat adrenaline rush. Mm. Um, trust me, I love the money, but it's a byproduct. It's chasing that win that, that I really do this for. Yeah. yeah. Is it in terms of, did you, were you doing that from the beginning? Was that your why from the beginning? Or was there something deeper that kept you up at night that you go, shit, like, I've got low money or what have you. Was is your why changed or has it always been that? Good question. Yeah, that is an awesome question. I, I, I've just always been a super competitive person mm. and I, I think it is that nature of wanting to win. Mm, yeah. You know, it's um, it's trying to be better than every competitor. You know, it's when that client is challenging to communicate our value to, Yes. it's really knuckling down and, and going hard. Mm. You know, you could be super cocky and go, oh, whatever. You know what mm. I mean? Or you could just give up. But it's like, no, be, intuit- like, be intuitive, go, go assertive, stick with the conversation and get, you know, you have so much pleasure um, communicating your value to someone that doesn't see it before they got on the phone. Run me through what that process looks like for you. You've got a new lead come in 7.30 last night. How yeah. do you close them? Um, yeah, it, it, it really just comes down to communicating value. Before you can communicate value to someone, you need to find out if they need help. Ooh. Yeah. Right, so that's the biggest thing because if they don't need help, no matter if I'm Tony Robbins or Jordan Navy Box or someone that just started yesterday, you're not going to be able to sell to them if you don't know if they need help mm. or if they don't need help. So first step is always to find out if they need help. Then you can identify if you think you've got the tools to help them. Mm. And then rather than selling them on how good you are and how good this property you sold or brought, it's I helped another client with the same problems as you Ooh. this way mm. and this is how their experience went mm. does that sound like you yes <laughs> and that's you know that's the short version of, yeah of how we communicate our value you okay. just you just said um you know if you have the right tools to help this person yeah but how did you build your toolbox seven Ooh. years ago when you started here when there is there was no you know there's no coaching really in the buyer's agents but especially that long ago yeah um, you just have to, um, you, you learn, you, you meet some really, you know, the clients that I serviced seven to 10 years ago, I, I have a lot to thank 
of them because I didn't have the experience and they gave me a go. Mm. Yeah. I do now, but it was those clients back then that go, you know what, this guy is 22. This guy has only bought five properties in his whole life, four clients. Mm. And he's only bought one for himself. So I'm more experienced than him, but I'm, I don't have the time. Mm. I don't have the energy that he clearly has. Mm. So I'm going to trust him with this. Yeah. And so that, that I'm really thankful for. But it's just volume. You know, you, you buy hundreds of properties a year over multiple, multiple years. You know every street. You know every house. You know the owner of that house. You know what it sold for the last three times. And, and you learn that. Wow. But How that's many, just volume. You, you can't learn that overnight. Yeah. How many properties do you reckon you've bought now? All up in your career? Um, that's a really good question. Um, circa. Circa 1,200. Wow. 1,200. Yeah. Fucking mental. I'm coming to you for some coaching. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Like, it, it probably started at um, 30 to 40 properties a year. And then after three years, it's really escalated to 80 to 100. And, and now we run it about just my team, sort of somewhere between 170, 200 a year. 170 to 200 deals, your team alone a yeah, year. Yeah, just our team of four, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's incredible, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's, um, but it's, it's a volume game. Mm. You know, there are um, sellers agents out there that can write our fees from far fewer deals. Mm. With, with a higher average price point. Yep. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely run a volume game, but it's, um, yeah. Would, you, would that be the most transactions via a buyer's agent in Australia? Or the other guys that do more? Because that's mental. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I know in Melbourne, there's, you know, these agents that, that run volume or, or Josh out at Rouse Hill writes crazy volume. Um, but I think in the buyer's agency world, it has to be up there for sure. How do you manage that? How do you manage all that, that stress of that many transactions? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's something that I've, I've focused on a lot in the last two years. Um, it's just the communi- you know, really refining the communication platforms. WhatsApp? You know, like WhatsApp's just become this like, crazy thing. And, and I'm not even a good WhatsApp user. You know, mm. People like Simon Cohen, Tony O'Doherty, they're doing voice notes every five seconds. Gavin... Like, I'm not quite on the, on the, on the voice note train yet, mm. but having these WhatsApp groups and just ensuring that um, before I go to bed every single night, I check every group, make sure I have no blue dots. Mm. Um, and I also just run through my client list every night um, before I leave to ensure that I've achieved for them what I wanted to achieve. And if I haven't, that's the first thing I'm doing the next day. Mm. Yeah, right. And are you contacting every day in your WhatsApp or just when appropriate? No, for, for us in buyer's agency, we're about a two to three day communication window mm-hmm. as a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you're mid-negotiation, yeah, it's um, you're like once an hour every, every for, for two days. But yeah, um, yeah, when, you're, when you've got a difficult client and it's not them that's difficult, it's their brief, Yeah, right? And not too difficult that you won't buy, just... I'll give you an example. Try and find a house in New Farm at the moment, modern, for $6 million. Extremely difficult. There's only probably 20 houses in New Farm that fit that mm. mould, mm. and none of those 20 owners will sell right now. <laughs> so when you have a client that wants one of those houses, it's not necessarily possible that you can contact them every day and say, now seven um, Tenerife Drive is going to be for sale. You just can't make that call every day. But it's just a two to three, mm. you know, day window of I've done this for you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I'm very similar. Something that I want to introduce, I'm 
wanting to get better at is whilst maintaining that professional two to three days is building more rapport so that we can become um, friends as well as just professionals. Yeah. How do you, because then obviously off the back of that, you can generate more referrals. How do you, do you incorporate much of that into your business model? Um, can you just ask it again? Sorry. So um, at the moment, from a professional standpoint, let's say you contact your clients every two to three days yes. relating buyers agency activities. Do you introduce anything outside of that that helps build the rapport with the client? So maybe client dinners, taking them out, picking up the phone, things like that to build a relationship outside of just the professional? Oh, yeah, that's a really good call. So, like, um, a, a lot of my clients have become friends, especially me moving into um, into Brisbane. We, had, we knew mm. nobody. Mm. That a lot of my current friends that I've built over the last 10 years were clients. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. two of my best mates, you know, were clients. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, that, that we see every weekend. Um, but... Um, it's a feel thing, right? You don't want to force it, but a hundred percent. If you're vibing with a client, you're gonna you're gonna say, you know, you know, the four of us should catch up for dinner, or, um, you know, let's just go for coffee in the morning. Even if we don't talk about real estate, I'd love to catch up. We haven't spoken in the last week. Mm. Awesome, awesome opportunity. But the big thing for me, and to any of the other buyers agents out there that are dealing with a brief that they're struggling to service, the one thing I I tell our guys is invite them for an hour session in the car with you driving around their suburbs and let them point out houses that they think they would buy. Mm, wow. Right? Okay. Because they might point out a house that you go, shit, that's not their brief. I didn't think they would mm. like that house. And they point out, they go, no, that's really nice. I've always driven past that house and liked it. And you yeah. go, well, that's, they're sellers. So it's just that if you're struggling to find a property for a client and you've rung every agent, you know, you've RP'd out of the shit out of everything and you're yeah. like, I just can't, you've looked at all the rentals, you, I just don't know how I'm gonna buy for this client. Put them in the car with you and take them around for an hour or so. What are you showing them in that trip? Stock online or just going through a suburb and anything? It's honestly just driving around and letting them be the letting them be the boss even. Yeah. Like I, I tell them to bring a notepad. Wow. Yeah, I tell them to bring a notepad, bring a pen. We're going for a drive. So if it's husband and wife, one of them will have the notepad and the pen. I'll put them both on the same side so they're both looking at the same windows. Yep. And we'll say to them, okay, um, point out any houses you think you would like. And it's a good education tool as well because they might point something out. Their budget might be 2.5 and they might point out a property that's worth 4 million. Mm -hmm. So in a non-smart-ass way, you're going to say, yeah, unfortunately, um, they got an offer last week at 3.8, if it's true. Um, if not, you could say, yeah, that property's on a bigger block than, um, than it seems. It's at least 4 million, that house, and they, they can put that to bed. Because mm. a lot of the other time, some of the more difficult clients, and this is if they are difficult clients, may assume that you're missing things. Yeah, It's very unlikely, but if you've ever had that happen, by getting them in the car and showing them how much product knowledge you have and how much you know about these sellers, what their expectations are, whether they'll sell, whether they won't, when mm. they last tried to sell and it failed because they're overpriced, etc., they go, wow, my guy's really on top of this stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, just letting them point out houses and say, what do you think? Like, is this in my budget? Do you think I could get this one? It's awesome to open things up for you. But then as you drive past houses, you can say, oh, they would sell. Mm. Oh, really? Love that house. It's three million. Oh, no, I think for something like that, we could stretch to three. Mm. Okay, cool. So you learn a lot about your client in that session and you might uncover a gem that you didn't find before. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's really powerful because I've got something right. I could use that right now with a client. With one yeah. of your clients? Yeah, do it. It's awesome. 
That's awesome, man. So we've kind of covered prospecting a bit of client management. Tell me about the sourcing component, how you generate the properties. Yeah, this is something that I'm super passionate about because when I started in that job after that whiskey and the three weeks of hounding for the job, um, they showed me the whiteboard. We had a whiteboard back then. And they circled three of their clients. I think it was about 20, 25 clients on the board. They circled three and they said, these are the three we want you to find properties for today. <coughs> Excuse me. And he gave me a, um, a printout of what I should say to the real estate agent in trying to find a house mm. full stop. And he said, now apply that dialogue to those three buyers, go. See how many you can do. So that was my first day on the job. And it turned out that was my next two and a half years. <laughs> um, I very rarely went to appointments. Um, I very rarely you know, ran the buyer. I was purely ringing agents and I built some awesome relationships with agents mm. um, in that time period in Sydney but uh, in Queensland for the investors. But yeah, it's just ringing the agents we have a thing in our office where you, if you're doing resourcing, you're filling your call log. Apple's changed their rules. It sucks. But, um, it you call it resourcing? Resourcing. Resourcing. Yeah, that's, yeah we find trying to find houses we call resourcing. But basically, for us, if you hit your recent... Phone's frozen. Classic. If you hit your recent call log and you go to the bottom at, say, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, that should say 10, 11 a.m. Mm. the bottom one which is a, yeah. there's a hundred on iPhone yeah um, so and, that, and that's the drive you have to have for resourcing every single day and I know in the sales world that that's in you know, prospecting it's a hundred a day um, minimum but yeah for us same deal when trying to find houses and then some of the agents get the shits but um, how we can avoid agents having the shits is making sure that you know so many buyers agents call for mysterious clients that don't fucking exist just to really? get stock and make relationships and go and see houses Mm. make sure you're calling about real clients make sure you're um, you're giving feedback you know that's yeah especially that's to off market every buyer's agent's pitfall in um, in building rapport with agents and I like I'm a you know I, I do it these guys do it we all do it but you just have to strive every day to be better at it mm. like when they tell you about a property giving feedback or Rather than pretending you've got a client and saying, oh, yeah, that could suit someone that I've got. Let me come back to you, right? And because you don't have a client for it, you just forget about it and you don't do anything. But if you just tell them on that phone call, be honest, I don't actually have a client for that property. Yeah. They're not expecting you to call back now. And that's one less thing you have to do that day. It's mm, true. Try and give them feedback up front um, because then they're not waiting on the phone for you to come back to them. And if you do have a client, just try as much as possible to come back with feedback. But yeah, 100 calls minimum when you're looking for a client. And so you're, let's say you've got a patch and you've got five clients in that patch. How frequently are you calling the same agents each week to source? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Because we do run a lot of clients, we will speak to most of these agents every day, but we're ensuring wow. that it's a different brief. Because every they're going to get day. the shits if you call them every day and you call for the same client, yeah. they will, you know, gristle. But if you call them on Monday and that day you're running, because like in Brisbane, I'm sure it's the same in Sydney, mm. but um, I definitely know it's in Sydney. Like you might call Alexander Phillips chasing a house in Vaucluse on Monday. 
but then you might call him on Tuesday chasing a house in Bronte for a completely different client. Yeah. So you've spoken to Alex two days in a row for a, res- for a resourcing purpose, but it's about two different clients. He's extremely happy to take that call. Right, and same with the same with the agents in Brisbane. Like a lot of new farm agents list property in Ascot. Mm. So if you ring them with a new six million dollar new farm brief, and then on Tuesday call them about a three million dollar Ascot brief, and then on Wednesday call them about an apartment buyer that you've got a Tenerife for two mil, they're going to be very happy to take those calls and let you know about the stock that they have for those those different briefs. In an ideal world, you ask them about all three while you've got them on the phone, but at least you're giving them new information that there's this buyer in the market yeah. looking for this, they're super stoked to take your call. Um, if you call for the same brief two days in a row, you're a pain in the ass. You're a pain in the ass, yeah, really. I mean, you can say the dialogue is, oh, just following up from our call yesterday, I don't suppose you, you thought any further after our call. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what an email and a text is for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and look, and, and we do it, like we make mistakes and we call the same agent twice just because they're on the hustle. And they have it going like, look, I just wanted to check just in case something came up. Because you've got to remember, when a real estate agent, well, you would know this better than I do, but when a real estate agent gets a appraisal lead in, mm-hmm. you're like, your adrenaline's running, your heartbeat's pumping, you're like, let's go, baby, what are we going to do? And unfortunately, especially if you have a lot of buyer's agents calling you, the, that, that person that we're talking about, like this mythical person that we're talking about now, hypothetical person we're talking about now, resourcing, might not be top of mind for you. Mm. Yeah. Even though they called you yesterday. Yeah, you might remember it. Yeah, <laughs> you might have a you might have a, a potential seller mm. that you're trying to help that could suit that property. You're going to call them. Mm. Correct. Right? Correct. And you might have forgotten about that call from yesterday. Yeah. So what I say to my guys is you got to be careful about it and you got to do it well and as long as you have good rapport it's okay. But if you say have you appraised or have you heard about anything since yesterday or since Tuesday since we spoke that could suit Susie? Mm. You might go, yep. Mm. Oh, if, it's, if I've listed see, something, 100%. I'm going to see it this yeah. afternoon. I didn't know about it yesterday, but now I do. Yeah, correct. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, try not to be um, try not to be annoying, even though I know we are for some people. And so like Kevin in our area is the off-market off king where he'll run a lot off-market. Um, would you advise buyers agents like myself to get Kevin to send every single property through, even if I don't have the client? Like, How would you manage... Do you keep a record of all your off-markets? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, we do um, for a lot of different reasons. To go on your question, um, it's like real estate agents having a um, knowing about a buyer hmm. and you don't have anything for them, but when you get that call into a house and you're like, oh, that's going to suit David, hmm. you're like, oh, I'm going to piece this off-market deal together. This is awesome. I'm going to beat my one of my competitors who sells more than me in that suburb who will probably get the listing hmm. if they're going to go to market. But if mm. I sell it to David, it'll be over before they even meet that guy. Yeah. Right? So that's in the, in the real estate world. In the buyer's agency world, if you note down an off-market property, even if you don't have a client for it that day, again, be honest to the agent, I don't have anyone for it now, but if I do, I'll let you know. Yep. Cool. If you sign up a client in three days that suits that property, boom, you're going to go and do a 24-hour deal. Mm. For sure. Um, so, so that's one good reason. But yeah, in terms of where we're noting it down, we have a really big database of off-market properties. We have who, which agent told us about it because yep. that's really important for us. It's, um, you know, I've got really great mates in the real estate industry that would love me to buy everything off them, but it's just not possible. Um, so from a trust perspective, we put in our spreadsheet their name next to the property 
And if so, someone tries to enter that property in again, it comes, beep, beep, this is already in here. Mm. And it goes back to that. In Queensland, we call them Form 6 is not agency agreements. Once they've got the Form 6, you go with the agent that has, has the it. Form 6 because that's a legal obligation. However, until they get a Form 6, and a lot of agents tell us about properties without having an agreement, um, we go back to the agent that told us about it first. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's for. Plus, we have incentives for the team who, um, like if Anna, for instance, finds a property mm. uh, and puts it in the spreadsheet or puts it in our group WhatsApp, and then Josh buys that property in two weeks' time, and it will get a get Click. a bonus commission from that. Yeah, nice. So yeah, so in our database, it's which agent gave it to us and which buyer's agent found it. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I guess my my last question of uh, of advice would be for the for a newer buyer's agent that's entered into the industry or about to step out from being an associate buyer's agent to being a standalone buyer's agent. Yeah. What would be your key advice for someone in that position? Good question. That's an awesome question. Um, it's definitely respect where you came from. I think it's really key. Um, I think I think that's more in the sales sales world than it is in the mm. in the buyers agency world. You know, I started from scratch when I left and started Cohen Hanner in Queensland, and it's so easy to do, and it will just save you so many less so many less headaches than mm. dealing with that that crap. Yeah. But it's. Um, Going back to what I said, whether you're leaving an associate position, it's actually way easier to leave an associate position and become a buyer's agent than it is go from a sales agent to a buyer's agent because you've already got really good relationships with so many agents. Mm. So when you go out on your own as an associate, go and foster those relationships. Pinpoint the ones that... Because you might have relationships that are on the back of your buyer's agent that you worked for having those relationships. So yeah, not you. Save yourself the headache. Avoid those. But that's the best thing. You've got so many people in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, mm. Perth, mm. Darwin. Like there is so many real estate agents compared to buyers agents. Joke. There you is know, a lot. I run my business in sort of not not the, the larger team. My team of four off about six real estate agents that refer to us. Yeah. Um, and Simon Cohen in Sydney is the same. He's maybe less. I think he's off three or four. Yeah. Yeah. We get leads from other agents, but in terms of the, the focus ones that are sending multiple per week clients to us to service, there's really, you know, four to six in our team yeah. that are doing it. So anyone new that's getting into it, you don't have to hit up everyone and anyone. Mm. I suggest that at the start so you can find who you gel with. Yep. But find those people that you gel with. And really foster them. And sometimes friendship trumps experience. Or not sometimes, like nearly always. Yeah, 100%. If, they, if that real estate agent likes you, they will refer to you over someone else who's a better buyer's agent. So true. So if you're starting out with you coming from an associate um, to a buyer's agent or no experience into the buyer's agency world and you're trying to get introductions to clients, befriend a few agents and they're going to, you know, genuinely, and they're going to refer to you more than other experienced buyer's agents that they used to refer to. Yeah, so all the agents, uh, they get hit up by Beadle in the next couple of days. He actually doesn't want to be a mate. <laughs> <laughs> As you're speaking, I'm thinking, which agents in the hills am I catching up with? Coffee? Yeah, um, if he rings you, just ring someone from Cohen Handler. <laughs> I, um, um, I caught up with a few of the Lewis Car guys before I came to Queensland because I'm like, I want to start seeing what if there's opportunity to get business from them but they nurture their buyers quite heavily they're really 
big buy an agency. How do you manage agent, or you just move on to a different agency? No, so um, in a situation like that, and, and, and it's, it's common in Queensland as well, um, especially in the Gold Coast and Byron, like Byron's a huge buyer nurturing market. Mm, yeah. Um, you want to help explain to the real estate agent that they can come on the journey as well. Mm. Just because there's this massive perception that once you refer a client to a buyer's agent, you lose contact. And that's mm. the fear, especially if they've got a house to sell. That's the fear. Take them along for the journey. Sometimes it's weird, but it happens. Sometimes we include the referring agent in the WhatsApp. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because that's really good. That is a good idea. A lot of the it's t- a great idea. Yeah. I mean, agent would love that. Agent loves it. Froths. And the, the, the client doesn't mind it either because they might have built a really good relationship with that agent beforehand and they yeah. still want to be fostered by them. Wow. You know? So you've got to have some level of independence because you want to do a good job. And sometimes if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, yeah. You, can, yeah. you can muck with your rhythm. But yeah, um, you know, bring them on the journey, make them feel comfortable with how you're servicing their customer because they're going to service them a certain way and they're you know, resistance to change of, oh, someone else is going to service them a way that I wouldn't, mm. you know? So bring them along with the journey um, and they're going to feel a lot more comfortable referring to you than not. And it's like really reassure them that I've got so many clients that, oh, sorry, so many agents that refer to us that we then end up buying a property off. Yeah. You know, yeah. it happens all the time. And... That doesn't mean, oh, what was the point of referring to them in the first place? Had they have not seen all the other houses? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Had we have not been so on the brief with that referring agent and them being invested in the, our process as well, they probably wouldn't have prospected that house. Yeah, yeah very true, isn't it? Right? So, yeah, if you just tell them where you're mm. at, how you're going, the one you've got to be careful with with the WhatsApp, and this is where we do get non-disclosures signed, is you don't want them crossing the boundaries of yep, the other market markets. properties. Mm. Yeah. So that's where you've got to be super, super cautious, uh, and that's where some BAs um, outside of CH have made errors. But yeah, um, to the you know as far as they can go, or as long as you really trust them and they're a really good sales agent and they just don't care, and they can work independently of that, then yeah, bring them on for the journey. Um, show them your process, get them comfortable with your process. <clears throat> Once you've got them on board, they won't need that anymore. Genius, man. Um, my last question for you is you've got experience in investment, advocacy, owner-occupier, and then also being geographically based. What's your advice for a buyer's agent in terms of growing a, bit, a fruitful business? Do they be a master at a core area? Do they specialise in owner-rock? What advice would you give on people starting out to get proper momentum it's an awesome question because starting out it's difficult right you're definitely financially motivated most of the time more than the other Mm. more than the other motivators so if you get a client in carindale but you're trying to be a buyer's agent in ascot you're going to take the client in carindale Mm. okay and you're going to nail it for them and when you're starting out you'll find yourself going in waves like you might go and buy five or six properties in a row in the bloomba hawthorne cooperoo area and then you get a couple of leads over in Paddington and then you'll go on a run in Paddington mm. because the agents are getting used to you talking mm. to them on the phone, et cetera, et cetera. So um, obviously, fortunately with us having multiple area specialists, they stay in their areas as where as possible. Not so there's no conflict in the office. Our guys can buy wherever they want, when, whenever they want. But the reason they do stay in the area is so that they can build relationships and be a real king or queen in that market. But when you're starting out, you don't have that luxury. You know, deal comes in, you're taking that deal. Mm. So um, learn as much as you can. Speak to the real estate agents. Find out where the market's at. You know, go to all the open homes. 
Um, you just learn as much about that market as possible so you can service that client far better than them doing it themselves because that's why they're paying you. Mm. But yeah, if you get a client out of area and you're starting out, my recommendation is to take on that client. I could be selfish and say refer it to Cohen Hanner and we'll <laughs> pay you a conjunction <laughs> referral fee and we'll look after them better than you. But yeah, if you're starting out, I think, I think take on the client. But then in terms of your networking, don't then go and network in that area for new business, unless you want to then become the Carindale specialist. Mm, but stay. Represent that client, do an amazing job for them. Yeah. Mm. But whilst you're doing that, keep prospecting in that area where you want to be. Yeah. Same the, principle the as sales. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Same thing, yeah. Well, the correct model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. Not yeah. what everyone does, but the correct model is Yeah, that. sometimes you've got to sell something there, but then you sort of 100%. get back to your craft. Totally. Legendary. That was phenomenal. Mate, Thank you so phenomenal. much for joining us. Is there anything else you'd like to share or add we felt you felt we've missed? No, no, I think we've had a really good session. Killer. Smashed it. We've got more, we'll do another one. Yeah, but that was awesome. I've really enjoyed that. <laughs>